0: And gentle cruisers, welcome to Cruising on the Cutting Edge, where we are making history by learning and discussing the research papers that universities are churning out across the country. Last week, we took a look at the University of Delaware and their involvement in the Mission Impossible of Deep Sea Mining. There are tons of precious rare earth metals out there just waiting for someone to go pick them up. It really is like the pirates thought it was, sunken treasure. This week, we are headed down the shore just a ways to Baltimore, Maryland, my home state, to explore the thrilling world of innovations for prosthetics. We're going to look at the world of neuroimplants and how they are helping quadriplegics eat golden sponge cake by themselves again, with proper manners, if I might add, meaning both hands simultaneously. This could be huge for uh, folks suffering with similar ailments. But also bring us one step closer to android humans who can perform complex tasks with super powerful prosthetics but first uh, a few announcements before we get on the road again ladies and gentlemen as the summer approaches i will have more time to prepare more material in the form of video interviews and the like i also hope to host more cruiser causeries to get the word out about the show Thank you to all of you for spreading the, sh- uh, the word about the show. I do put a tremendous amount of effort into uh, it to deliver material everyone can understand and perhaps also content that's entertaining. Folks, uh, these are fantastic topics to discuss with fam- uh, friends and family. I actually heard of deep sea mining at a dinner table not three weeks ago. People are naturally curious and if you have someone to impress, this is great content. I may be a technology podcaster, but I am also a romanticist, so I had an idea. At the end of today's episode, if you see someone you like, just tell them, I have to hand it to you, you would make a great prosthetic. So, cruisers, it is time to strap on into our slick, low-riding, black 1962 convertible Lincoln Continental resto mod, of course, because... I don't think they came as convertibles back then. Driving down I-95 from Delaware into Maryland over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, we smell the sweet, sweet scent of the world's best condiment, Old Bay Spices. It is a beautiful thing. I could put it on anything and everything. Lobster, ice cream, rubber. That's what's so special about it. sweet enough and salty enough to make a great condiment for just about everything. Coming into More, we arrive at my other alma mater, Johns Hopkins University, where I am studying to get my master's in space systems engineering. Thanks to my connections, we are able to sneak into the Applied Physics Laboratory, the big research arm associated with Johns Hopkins. That was fun. We find conveniently placed on the desk in front of us. A June 2022, uh, 2020 paper titled Simultaneous Classification of Bilateral Hand Gestures Using Bilateral Microelectrode Recordings in, Tetraplegic, in a Tetraplegic Patient by Tessie Thomas Francesco Terrone et al. This paper, In this paper, they dive into the results of their models used to decipher the electric impulses sent from the brain to move both, uh, both hands in complex ways at the same time. First, ladies and gentlemen cruisers, we will be heading, no pun intended, again, down theory lane, followed by a stroll across hardware and testing square, followed by our favorite turn back onto the on-ramp to the future. The workings of the brain are still largely a mystery. As a species though, we are the only one that knows what ribbon in our brain controls our movement. But determining hand movement and hand gestures Especially as they occur simultaneously in both arms is a challenge. The key to simulating a grasp in the left hand and pointing the index and finger in the right concurrently is to uh, is, the, is to measure the brain's electrical signals better than ever before. Several previous studies have used eCog, eCog, a way to measure pressure of the fluid in your inner ear. They've also used magnetoencephalography, which is completely non-invasive and measures the magnetic fields produced by your brain cells. And then there's microelectrode arrays, which are tiny patches of around 100 sensors that are implanted on your brain and plunge a few micrometers into the cells and take measurements of amperage from our neurons, axons, and dendrites. The latter is what has helped the crew at Johns Hopkins translate the brain's signals. Up until their experiment, no one had yet to consider the potential benefit of placing MEAs, microelectrode arrays, on both hemispheres of the brain. They figured this would bring in both more data and more accuracy, and the ability to perform asymmetric maneuvers in hand simultaneously. It is commonly known that the left hemisphere of our brain controls the right, and vice versa. Therefore, the signals will be different from each side when trying to perform different measurements. Uh, like me typing up searches for maps of his brain. That's one hand typing the A and one hand typing the, the P. However, this is still a guessing game, as I learned. These MEA patches could be implanted near the parts of the brain that are dedicated to the thumb and index finger sensation and the thumb and index finger motor control, which are actually four different separate locations on the brain. However, they are not certain. They do claim, though, that they used a map to find these hotspots. But even so, some other research suggests that these areas can light up regardless of which side is being activated, making our models even less certain at times. The best they were able to do is come up with a mathematical model similar to actually what I use in my satellite navigation homework to predict measurements, read the actual measurements, compare them to the model, and activate the two robotic arms that that some other researchers at Johns Hopkins made. A little side note, these are pretty cool looking, and I suggest you take a look at the modular prosthetic limb as, as well as microelectrode arrays. Those are sort of the two hardware technologies that Come into play in this um, research. Actually, the mar- micro electrode arrays have a similar construction method and design as solar cells, so quite interesting. Back to the mathematical model, though, they they train their model through machine learning algorithms and lots of simplified hand waving tests, literally, which accumulated data and trained the measurement models to perform better, which. Brings us to a great spot to talk about hardware and testing square. So, cruises list, mosey on down, hardware and testing square. This is a fun one. The researchers had a volunteer named Robert Buzz Schmielewski, who is a quadriplegic, meaning he can't move his arms. For the most part, he still has minimal motion and sensation in his index finger. They underwent a 10-hour surgery implanting four different MEAs on his brain. Two on his left hemisphere and two on the right. Then they trained their mathematical models on simple movements for a few months and gathered lots of data to compare for the more complex motions. The article I found that mentioned this research uh, brings up a photo of this, this research brings up a photo of Buzz sitting at a table with three cords running from his shaved head into the background. He is surrounded by two massive bionic arms that are lifting a piece of sponge cake to his mouth. The, th- the key thing to note in this photo is that one of the arms is at rest. The researchers, like many before them, prove that unilateral control, as in one arm activated and one arm at rest, is possible with current models and control functions. It turns out, though, that there is still a lot of work to do with respect to the bilateral, asymmetrical hand gestures. They tested many different movements with Buzz, including a power grasp, open hand, two-finger pinch, five-finger flat pinch, wrist flex, wrist extend, index flex, and index extend. They had him in front of a screen, which queued up the movement uh, that they wanted him to perform, and they would record the time it took to reach the target state, that is, if it did at all. Unilateral performance was above 70%. Symmetric bilateral motion was around 50, and Buzz reached his targets only about 23% of the time for asymmetric motion. As we turn now back onto the on ramp to the future, thinking about these results means there's still a lot of work. I suppose it is especially difficult because they are trying to classify movement in disabled people whose brains might send different or varying amounts of signals. Than a functional body. Plus, not all quadriplegics are disabled to the same degree as we have now learned. I couldn't help myself from thinking though, why not perform these tests on functioning humans as well? The more we can classify and understand brain signals, the closer we may get to full-on Jaegers. Now, if you haven't seen or read Pacific Rim, please do. It is a requirement for this episode. It's awesome. What else could you imagine being possible with the ability to precisely control bionic arms? Well, so part of the control, the requirement to control a bionic limb and the desire to, is the ability to sense what it does, when it does it beyond just seeing, beyond just seeing, oh yeah, I picked up a car with my left pinky, I, I, I did that. You want to be able to feel that too. Like was mentioned before, the brain has different parts dedicated to sensory and motor control of a limb. This plays into some seriously interesting thoughts I've had in the past. If research goes so far that we can send the proper signals back to the brain, then think of all the possible learning humans could do. The bionic arm online software market would explode. People could purchase a program for their arms that makes them play Rachmaninoff's Piano Concert No. 3 And all they have to do is play it on repeat on their bionic arms and sense that in their brain, remember it, gain muscle memory, unplug themselves from the arms, and then play it themselves. I mean, the possibilities are endless, exciting, and and confusing. My favorite personal one is gymnastics. I personally enjoy trying to master headstands and such, so that would be awesome. This is just part of the crazy world we may potentially live in. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Please tell your family and friends about this research and ask them what they think about it. This research is not written in such a way as to be easily shared. But now that we've come along, we can talk about it more confidently and spread the word. Huge thanks to those who have given me food for thought on other episodes. I'll be looking into those topics shortly. Also, big thanks to the feedback I've gotten from folks. You know, As much as I can, I try to make this as professional of a podcast as possible while juggling just a few other things in my life. I hope to get a team together to m- help me make this a bigger, better production one day. I'll be posting, actually, uh, I just realized this podcast is now posted to Overcast, another podcast platform. Actually, where I have recently found an interesting show on cybercrime called Darknet Diaries. So go check that platform out and that podcast as well. It's very fun, very exciting. Thanks again. I will see you back in the leather bucket seats next week here on Cruising on the Cutting Edge. My song recommendation for this week, if you haven't guessed already, is Rachmaninoff's piano concerto number three.